Part two, chapter eight of the Idiot. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Martin Giessen. The Idiot by Fyodor Dostoevsky, translated by Eva M. Martin. Part two, chapter eight. I did not expect you, gentlemen, began the prince. I have been ill until today. A month ago, he continued, addressing himself to Antip Burdovsky, I put your business into Gavrila Ardalionovitch Ivolgin's hands, as I told you then. I do not in the least object to having a personal interview, but you will agree with me that this is hardly the time. I propose that we go into another room, if you will not keep me long as you see i have friends here and believe me friends as many as you please but allow me interrupted the harsh voice of lebedeff's nephew allow me to tell you that you might have treated us rather more politely and not have kept us waiting at least two hours no doubt and and, and is that acting like a prince and you 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 may be a general but i i am not your valet and and i i stammered antip burdovsky he was extremely excited his lips trembled and the resentment of an embittered soul was in his voice but he spoke so indistinctly that hardly a dozen words could be gathered it was a princely action sneered hippolyte if any one had treated me so grumbled the boxer i mean to say that if i'd been in burdovsky's place i gentlemen i did not know you were there i have only just been informed i assure you repeated muishkin we are not afraid of your friends prince remarked lebedeff's nephew for we are within our rights the shrill tones of hippolyte interrupted him what right of you by what right do you demand us to submit this matter about burdovsky to the judgment of your friends we know only too well what the judgment of your friends will be this beginning gave promise of a stormy discussion the prince was discouraged but at last he managed to make himself heard amid the vociferations of his excited visitors if you he said addressing burdovsky if you prefer not to speak here i offer again to go into another room with you and as to your waiting to see me i repeat that i only this instant heard well you have no right you have no right no right at all your friends indeed gabbled burdovsky defiantly examining the faces round him and becoming more and more excited you have no right as he ended thus abruptly he leant forward staring at the prince with his short-sighted bloodshot eyes the latter was so astonished that he did not reply but looked steadily at him in return lef nikolaevitch interposed madame yepanchin suddenly read this at once this very moment it is about this business she held out a weekly comic paper pointing to an article on one of its pages 
just as the visitors were coming in lebedeff wishing to ingratiate himself with the great lady had pulled this paper from his pocket and presented it to her indicating a few columns marked in pencil lizaveta prokofievna had had time to read some of it and was greatly upset would it not be better to peruse it alone later asked the prince nervously no no read it read it at once directly and aloud aloud cried she calling kolya to her and giving him the journal read it aloud so that everyone may hear it an impetuous woman lizaveta prokofievna sometimes weighed her anchors and put out to sea quite regardless of the possible storms she might encounter ivan fyodorovitch felt a sudden pang of alarm but the others were merely curious and somewhat surprised kolya unfolded the paper and began to read in his clear high-pitched voice the following article proletarians and scions of nobility an episode of the brigandage of today and every day progress reform justice strange things are going on in our so-called holy russia in this age of reform and great enterprises this age of patriotism in which hundreds of millions are yearly sent abroad in which industry is encouraged and the hands of labour paralysed etc there is no end to this gentlemen so let us come to the point a strange thing has happened to a scion of our defunct aristocracy de profundis the grandfathers of these scions ruined themselves at the gaming tables their fathers were forced to serve as officers or subalterns some have died just as they were about to be tried for innocent thoughtlessness in the handling of public funds their children are sometimes congenital idiots like the hero of our story sometimes they are found in the dock at the assizes where they are generally acquitted by the jury for edifying motives sometimes they distinguish themselves by one of those burning scandals that amaze the public and add another blot to the stained record of our age six months ago that is last winter this particular scion returned to russia wearing gaiters like a foreigner and shivering with cold in an old scantily lined cloak he had come from switzerland where he had just undergone a successful course of treatment for idiocy sick certainly fortune favoured him for apart from the interesting malady of which he was cured in switzerland can there be a cure for idiocy his story proves the truth of the russian proverb that happiness is the right of certain classes judge for yourselves our subject was an infant in arms when he lost his father an officer who died just as he was about to be court-martialed for gambling away the funds of his company and perhaps also for flogging a subordinate to excess remember the good old days gentlemen <clears throat> 
the orphan was brought up by the charity of a very rich russian landowner in the good old days this man whom we will call p owned four thousand souls as serfs souls as serfs can you understand such an expression gentlemen i cannot it must be looked up in a dictionary before one can understand it these things of a bygone day are already unintelligible to us he appears to have been one of those russian parasites who lead an idle existence abroad spending the summer at some spa and the winter in paris to the greater profit of the organizers of public balls it may safely be said that the manager of the chateau des fleurs lucky man pocketed at least a third of the money paid by russian peasants to their lords in the days of serfdom however this may be the gay p brought up the orphan like a prince provided him with tutors and governesses pretty of course which he chose himself in paris but the little aristocrat the last of his noble race was an idiot the governesses recruited at the chateau des fleurs laboured in vain at twenty years of age their pupil could not speak in any language not even russian but ignorance of the latter was still excusable at last p was seized with a strange notion he imagined that in switzerland they could change an idiot into a man of sense after all the idea was quite logical a parasite and landowner naturally supposed that intelligence was a marketable commodity like everything else and that in switzerland especially it could be bought for money the case was entrusted to a celebrated swiss professor and cost thousands of roubles the treatment lasted five years needless to say the idiot did not become more intelligent but it is alleged that he grew into something more or less resembling a man at this stage p died suddenly and as usual he had made no will and left his affairs in disorder a crowd of eager claimants arose who cared nothing about any last scion of a noble race undergoing treatment in switzerland at the expense of the deceased as a congenital idiot idiot though he was the noble scion tried to cheat his professor and they say he succeeded in getting him to continue the treatment gratis for two years by concealing the death of his benefactor <coughs> but the professor himself was a charlatan getting anxious at last when no money was forthcoming and alarmed above all by his patient's appetite he presented him with a pair of old gaiters and a shabby cloak and packed him off to russia third class it would seem that fortune had turned her back upon our hero not at all fortune who lets whole populations die of hunger showered all her gifts at once upon the little aristocrat like krylov's cloud which passes over an arid plain and empties itself into the sea 
he had scarcely arrived in st petersburg when a relation of his mother's who was of bourgeois origin of course died at moscow he was a merchant an old believer and he had no children he left a fortune of several millions in good current coin and everything came to our noble scion our gaitered baron formerly treated for idiocy in a swiss lunatic asylum instantly the scene changed crowds of friends gathered round our baron who meanwhile had lost his head over a celebrated demi-mondaine he even discovered some relations moreover a number of young girls of high birth burned to be united to him in lawful matrimony could any one possibly imagine a better match aristocrat millionaire and idiot he has every advantage one might hunt in vain for his equal even with the lantern of diogenes his like is not to be had even by getting it made to order oh i don't know what this means cried ivan fedorovitch transported with indignation leave off kolya begged the prince exclamations arose on all sides let him go on reading at all costs ordered lizaveta prokofievna evidently preserving her composure by a desperate effort prince if the reading is stopped you and i will quarrel kolya had no choice but to obey with crimson cheeks he read on unsteadily <coughs> but while our young millionaire dwelt as it were in the empyrean something new occurred one fine morning a man called upon him calm and severe of aspect distinguished but plainly dressed politely but in dignified terms as befitted his errand he briefly explained the motive for his visit he was a lawyer of enlightened views his client was a young man who had consulted him in confidence this young man was no other than the son of p though he bears another name in his youth p the sensualist had seduced a young girl poor but respectable she was a serf but had received a european education finding that a child was expected he hastened her marriage with a man of noble character who had loved her for a long time he helped the young couple for a time but he was soon obliged to give up for the high-minded husband refused to accept anything from him soon the careless nobleman forgot all about his former mistress and the child she had borne him then as we know he died intestate p's son born after his mother's marriage found a true father in the generous man whose name he bore but when he also died the orphan was left to provide for himself his mother now being an invalid who had lost the use of her limbs leaving her in a distant province he came to the capital in search of pupils 
by dint of daily toil he earned enough to enable him to follow the college courses and at last to enter the university but what can one earn by teaching the children of russian merchants at ten kopecks a lesson especially with an invalid mother to keep even her death did not much diminish the hardships of the young man's struggle for existence now this is the question how in the name of justice should our scion have argued the case our readers will think no doubt that he would say to himself p showered benefits upon me all my life he spent tens of thousands of roubles to educate me to provide me with governesses and to keep me under treatment in switzerland now i am a millionaire and p's son a noble young man who is not responsible for the faults of his careless and forgetful father is wearing himself out giving ill-paid lessons according to justice all that was done for me ought to have been done for him the enormous sums spent upon me were not really mine they came to me by an error of blind fortune when they ought to have gone to p's son they should have gone to benefit him not me in whom p interested himself by a mere caprice instead of doing his duty as a father if i wished to behave nobly justly and with delicacy i ought to bestow half my fortune upon the son of my benefactor but as economy is my favourite virtue and i know this is not a case in which the law can intervene i will not give up half my millions but it would be too openly vile too flagrantly infamous if i did not at least restore to p's son the tens of thousands of roubles spent in curing my idiocy this is simply a case of conscience and of strict justice whatever would have become of me if p had not looked after my education and had taken care of his own son instead of me <clears throat> no gentlemen our scions of the nobility do not reason thus the lawyer who had taken up the matter purely out of friendship to the young man and almost against his will invoked every consideration of justice delicacy honour and even plain figures in vain the ex-patient of the swiss lunatic asylum was inflexible all this might pass but the sequel is absolutely unpardonable and not to be excused by any interesting malady this millionaire having but just discarded the old gaiters of the professor could not even understand that the young man slaving away at his lessons was not asking for charitable help but for his rightful due though the debt was not a legal one that correctly speaking he was not asking for anything but it was merely his friends who had thought fit to bestir themselves on his behalf with the cool insolence of a bloated capitalist secure in his millions 
he majestically drew a banknote for fifty roubles from his pocket-book and sent it to the noble young man as a humiliating piece of charity you can hardly believe it gentlemen you are scandalized and disgusted you cry out in indignation but this is what he did needless to say the money was returned or rather flung back in his face the case is not within the province of the law it must be referred to the tribunal of public opinion this is what we now do guaranteeing the truth of all the details which we have related when collier had finished reading he handed the paper to the prince and retired silently to a corner of the room hiding his face in his hands he was overcome by a feeling of inexpressible shame his boyish sensitiveness was wounded beyond endurance it seemed to him that something extraordinary some sudden catastrophe had occurred and that he was almost the cause of it because he had read the article aloud yet all the others were similarly affected the girls were uncomfortable and ashamed lizabieta prokofievna restrained her violent anger by a great effort perhaps she bitterly regretted her interference in the matter for the present she kept silence the prince felt as very shy people often do in such a case he was so ashamed of the conduct of other people so humiliated for his guests that he dared not look them in the face ptitsin varia gania and lebedeff himself all looked rather confused stranger still hippolyte and the son of pavlicheff also seemed slightly surprised and lebedeff's nephew was obviously far from pleased the boxer alone was perfectly calm he twisted his moustaches with affected dignity and if his eyes were cast down it was certainly not in confusion but rather in noble modesty as if he did not wish to be insolent in his triumph it was evident that he was delighted with the article the devil knows what it means growled ivan fyodorovitch under his breath it must have taken the united wits of fifty footmen to write it may i ask your reason for such an insulting supposition sir said hippolyte trembling with rage you will admit yourself general that for an honourable man if the author is an honourable man that is an insult growled the boxer suddenly with convulsive jerkings of his shoulders in the first place it is not for you to address me as sir and in the second place i refuse to give you any explanation said ivan fyodorovitch vehemently and he rose without another word and went and stood on the first step of the flight that led from the veranda to the street turning his back on the company he was indignant with lizaveta prokofievna who did not think of moving even now gentlemen gentlemen let me speak at last 
cried the prince anxious and agitated please let us understand one another i say nothing about the article gentlemen except that every word is false i say this because you know it as well as i do it is shameful i should be surprised if any one of you could have written it i did not know of its existence till this moment declared hippolyte i do not approve of it i knew it had been written but i would not have advised its publication said lebedeff's nephew because it is premature i knew it but i have a right i i stammered the son of pavlicheff what did you write all that yourself is it possible asked the prince regarding burdovsky with curiosity one might dispute your right to ask such questions observed lebedeff's nephew i was only surprised that mr burdovsky should have however this is what i have to say since you had already given the matter publicity why did you object just now when i began to speak of it to my friends at last murmured lizaveta prokofievna indignantly lebedeff could restrain himself no longer he made his way through the row of chairs prince he cried you are forgetting that if you consented to receive and hear them it was only because of your kind heart which has no equal for they had not the least right to demand it especially as you had placed the matter in the hands of gavrila ardalionovitch which was also extremely kind of you you are also forgetting most excellent prince that you are with friends a select company you cannot sacrifice them to these gentlemen and it is only for you to have them turned out this instant as the master of the house i shall have great pleasure quite right agreed general ivolgin in a loud voice that will do lebedeff that will do began the prince when an indignant outcry drowned his words excuse me prince excuse me but that will not do shouted lebedeff's nephew his voice dominating all the others the matter must be clearly stated for it is obviously not properly understood they are calling in some legal chicanery and upon that ground they are threatening to turn us out of the house really prince do you think we are such fools as not to be aware that this matter does not come within the law and that legally we cannot claim a rouble from you but we are also aware that if actual law is not on our side human law is for us natural law the law of common sense and conscience which is no less binding upon every noble and honest man that is every man of sane judgment because it is not to be found in miserable legal codes if we come here without fear of being turned out as was threatened just now because of the imperative tone of our demand and the unseemliness of such a visit at this late hour though it was not late when we arrived we were kept waiting in your ante-room if i say we came in without fear it is just because we expected to find you a man of sense i mean a man of honour and conscience 
it is quite true that we did not present ourselves humbly like your flatterers and parasites but holding up our heads as befits independent men we present no petition but a proud and free demand note it well we do not beseech we demand we ask you fairly and squarely in a dignified manner do you believe that in this affair of burdovsky you have right on your side do you admit that pavlicheff overwhelmed you with benefits and perhaps saved your life if you admit it which we take for granted do you intend now that you are a millionaire and do you not think it in conformity with justice to indemnify burdovsky yes or no if it is yes or in other words if you possess what you call honour and conscience and we more justly call common sense then accede to our demand and the matter is at an end give us satisfaction without entreaties or thanks from us do not expect thanks from us for what you do will be done not for our sake but for the sake of justice if you refuse to satisfy us that is if your answer is no we will go away at once there will be an end of the matter but we will tell you to your face before the present company that you are a man of vulgar and undeveloped mind we will openly deny you the right to speak in future of your honour and conscience for you have not paid the fair price of such a right i have no more to say i put the question before you now turn us out if you dare you can do it force is on your side but remember that we do not beseech we demand we do not beseech we demand with these last excited words lebedeff's nephew was silent we demand we demand we demand we do not beseech spluttered burdovsky red as a lobster the speech of lebedeff's nephew caused a certain stir among the company murmurs arose though with the exception of lebedeff who was still very much excited everyone was careful not to interfere in the matter strangely enough lebedeff although on the prince's side seemed quite proud of his nephew's eloquence gratified vanity was visible in the glances he cast upon the assembled company in my opinion mr doktorenko said the prince in rather a low voice you are quite right in at least half of what you say i would go further and say that you are altogether right and that i quite agree with you if there were not something lacking in your speech i cannot undertake to say precisely what it is but you have certainly omitted something and you cannot be quite just while there is something lacking but let us put that aside and return to the point tell me what induced you to publish this article every word of it is a calumny and i think gentlemen that you have been guilty of a mean action allow me sir what 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 cried all the visitors at once in violent agitation as to the article said hippolyte in his croaking voice i have told you already that we none of us approve of it there is the writer he added pointing to the boxer who sat beside him 
i quite admit that he has written it in his old regimental manner with an equal disregard for style and decency i know he is a cross between a fool and an adventurer i make no bones about telling him so to his face every day but after all he is half justified publicity is the lawful right of every man consequently burdovsky is not accepted let him answer for his own blunders as to the objection which i made just now in the name of all to the presence of your friends i think i ought to explain gentlemen that i only did so to assert our rights though we really wished to have witnesses we had agreed unanimously upon the point before we came in we do not care who your witnesses may be or whether they are your friends or not as they cannot fail to recognize burdovsky's right seeing that it is mathematically demonstrable it is just as well that the witnesses should be your friends the truth will only be more plainly evident it is quite true we had agreed upon that point said lebedeff's nephew in confirmation if that is the case why do you begin by making such a fuss about it asked the astonished prince the boxer was dying to get in a few words owing no doubt to the presence of the ladies he was becoming quite jovial as to the article prince he said i admit that i wrote it in spite of the severe criticism of my poor friend in whom i always overlook many things because of his unfortunate state of health but i wrote and published it in the form of a letter in the paper of a friend i showed it to no one but burdovsky and i did not read it all through even to him he immediately gave me permission to publish it but you will admit that i might have done so without his consent publicity is a noble beneficent and universal right i hope prince that you are too progressive to deny this i deny nothing but you must confess that your article is a bit thick you mean well in a way that is in the public interest you will admit that yourself and after all one cannot overlook a blatant fact so much the worse for the guilty parties but the public welfare must come before everything as to certain inaccuracies and figures of speech so to speak you will also admit that the motive aim and intention are the chief thing it is a question above all of making a wholesome example the individual case can be examined afterwards and as to the style well the thing was meant to be humorous so to speak and after all everybody writes like that you must admit it yourself <laughs> but gentlemen i assure you that you are quite astray exclaimed the prince you have published this article upon the supposition that i would never consent to satisfy mr burdovsky acting on that conviction you have tried to intimidate me by this publication and to be revenged for my supposed refusal but what did you know of my intentions it may be that i have resolved to satisfy mr burdovsky's claim i now declare openly in the presence of these witnesses that i will do so the noble and intelligent word of an intelligent and most noble man at last 
exclaimed the boxer good god exclaimed lizaveta prokofievna involuntarily this is intolerable growled the general allow me gentlemen allow me urged the prince i will explain matters to you five weeks ago i received a visit from chebarov your agent mr burdovsky you have given a very flattering description of him in your article mr keller he continued turning to the boxer with a smile but he did not please me at all i saw at once that chebarov was the moving spirit in the matter and to speak frankly i thought he might have induced you mr burdovsky to make this claim by taking advantage of your simplicity you have no right i am not simple stammered burdovsky much agitated you have no sort of right to suppose such things said lebedeff's nephew in a tone of authority it is most offensive shrieked hippolyte it is an insulting suggestion false and most ill-timed i beg your pardon gentlemen please excuse me said the prince i thought absolute frankness on both sides would be best but have it your own way i told chebarov that as i was not in petersburg i would commission a friend to look into the matter without delay and that i would let you know mr burdovsky gentlemen i have no hesitation in telling you that it was the fact of chebarov's intervention that made me suspect a fraud oh do not take offence at my words gentlemen for heaven's sake do not be so touchy cried the prince seeing that burdovsky was getting excited again and that the rest were preparing to protest if i say i suspected a fraud there is nothing personal in that i had never seen any of you then i did not even know your names i only judged by chebarov i am speaking quite generally if you only knew how i have been done since i came into my fortune you are shockingly naive prince said lebedeff's nephew in mocking tones besides though you are a prince and a millionaire and even though you may really be simple and good-hearted you can hardly be outside the general law hippolyte declared loudly perhaps not it is very possible the prince agreed hastily though i do not know what general law you allude to i will go on only please do not take offence without good cause i assure you i do not mean to offend you in the least really it is impossible to speak three words sincerely without your flying into a rage at first i was amazed when chebarov told me that pavlicheff had a son and that he was in such a miserable position pavlicheff was my benefactor and my father's friend oh mr keller why does your article impute things to my father without the slightest foundation he never squandered the funds of his company nor ill-treated his subordinates i am absolutely certain of it i cannot imagine how you could bring yourself to write such a calumny but your assertions concerning pavlicheff 
are absolutely intolerable you do not scruple to make a libertine of that noble man you call him a sensualist as coolly as if you were speaking the truth and yet it would not be possible to find a chaster man he was even a scholar of note and in correspondence with several celebrated scientists and spent large sums in the interests of science as to his kind heart and his good actions you were right indeed when you said that i was almost an idiot at that time and could hardly understand anything i could speak and understand russian though but now i can appreciate what i remember excuse me interrupted hippolyte is not this rather sentimental you said you wished to come to the point please remember that it is after nine o'clock very well gentlemen very well replied the prince at first i received the news with mistrust then i said to myself that i might be mistaken and that pavlicheff might possibly have had a son but i was absolutely amazed at the readiness with which the son had revealed the secret of his birth at the expense of his mother's honour for chebarov had already menaced me with publicity in our interview what nonsense lebedeff's nephew interrupted violently you have no right you have no right cried burdovsky the son is not responsible for the misdeeds of his father and the mother is not to blame added hippolyte with warmth that seems to me all the more reason for sparing her said the prince timidly prince you are not only simple but your simplicity is almost past the limit said lebedeff's nephew with a sarcastic smile but what right had you said hippolyte in a very strange tone none none whatever agreed the prince hastily i admit you are right there but it was involuntary and i immediately said to myself that my personal feelings had nothing to do with it that if i thought it right to satisfy the demands of mr burdovsky out of respect for the memory of pavlicheff i ought to do so in any case whether i esteemed mr burdovsky or not i only mentioned this gentleman because it seemed so unnatural to me for a son to betray his mother's secret in such a way in short that is what convinced me that chebarov must be a rogue and that he had induced mr burdovsky to attempt this fraud but this is intolerable cried the visitors some of them starting to their feet gentlemen i supposed from this that poor mr burdovsky must be a simple-minded man quite defenceless and an easy tool in the hands of rogues that is why i thought it my duty to try and help him as pavlicheff's son in the first place by rescuing him from the influence of chebarov and secondly by making myself his friend i have resolved to give him ten thousand roubles that is about the sum which i calculate that pavlicheff must have spent on me what only ten thousand cried hippolyte well prince your arithmetic is not up to much or else you are mighty clever at it 
though you affect the air of a simpleton said lebedeff's nephew i will not accept ten thousand roubles said burdovsky accept antip whispered the boxer eagerly leaning past the back of hippolyte's chair to give his friend this piece of advice take it for the present we can see about more later on look here mr muishkin shouted hippolyte please understand that we are not fools nor idiots as your guests seem to imagine these ladies who look upon us with such scorn and especially this fine gentleman pointing to yevgeny pavlovitch whom i have not the honour of knowing though i think i have heard some talk about him really really gentlemen cried the prince in great agitation you are misunderstanding me again in the first place mr keller you have greatly overestimated my fortune in your article i am far from being a millionaire i have barely a tenth of what you suppose secondly my treatment in switzerland was very far from costing tens of thousands of roubles schneider received six hundred roubles a year and he was only paid for the first three years as to the pretty governesses whom pavlicheff is supposed to have brought from paris they only exist in mr keller's imagination it is another calumny according to my calculations the sum spent on me was very considerably under ten thousand roubles but i decided on that sum and you must admit that in paying a debt i could not offer mr burdovsky more however kindly disposed i might be towards him delicacy forbids it i should seem to be offering him charity instead of rightful payment i don't know how you cannot see that gentlemen besides i had no intention of leaving the matter there i meant to intervene amicably later on and help to improve poor mr burdovsky's position it is clear that he has been deceived or he would never have agreed to anything so vile as the scandalous revelations about his mother in mr keller's article but gentlemen why are you getting angry again are we never to come to an understanding well the event has proved me right i have just seen with my own eyes the proof that my conjecture was correct he added with increasing eagerness he meant to calm his hearers and did not perceive that his words had only increased their irritation what do you mean what are you convinced of they demanded angrily in the first place i have had the opportunity of getting a correct idea of mr burdovsky i see what he is for myself he is an innocent man deceived by everyone a defenceless victim who deserves indulgence secondly gavrila ardalionovitch in whose hands i had placed the matter had his first interview with me barely an hour ago i had not heard from him for some time as i was away and have been ill for three days since my return to st petersburg he tells me that he has exposed the designs of chevarov and has proof that justifies my opinion of him i know gentlemen that many people think me an idiot counting upon my reputation as a man whose purse-strings are easily loosened 
Chebarov thought it would be a simple matter to fleece me, especially by trading on my gratitude to Pavlicheff. But the main point is, listen, gentlemen, let me finish. The main point is that Mr. Burdovsky is not Pavlicheff's son at all. Gavrila Ardalionovitch has just told me of his discovery, and assures me that he has positive proofs. Well, what do you think of that? It is scarcely credible, even after all the tricks that have been played upon me. Please note that we have positive proofs. I can hardly believe it myself, I assure you. I do not yet believe it. I am still doubtful, because Gavrila Ardalionovitch has not had time to go into details. But there can be no further doubt that Chebarov is a rogue. He has deceived poor Mr. Burdovsky, and all of you gentlemen who have come forward so nobly to support your friend. He evidently needs support, I quite see that. He has abused your credulity and involved you all in an attempted fraud, for when all is said and done, this claim is nothing else. What, a fraud? What, he is not Pavlicheff's son? Impossible! These exclamations but feebly expressed the profound bewilderment into which the prince's words had plunged Burdovsky's companions. Certainly it is a fraud, since Mr. Burdovsky is not Pavlicheff's son, his claim is neither more nor less than attempted fraud, supposing, of course, that he had known the truth. But the fact is that he has been deceived. I insist on this point in order to justify him. I repeat that his simple-mindedness makes him worthy of pity, and that he cannot stand alone, otherwise he would have behaved like a scoundrel in this matter but I feel certain that he does not understand it. I was just the same myself before I went to Switzerland. I stammered incoherently. One tries to express oneself and cannot. I understand that. I am all the better able to pity Mr. Burdovsky, because I know from experience what it is to be like that, and so I have a right to speak. Well, Though there is no such person as Pavlicheff's son, and it is all nothing but a humbug, yet will I keep to my decision, and I am prepared to give up ten thousand roubles, in memory of Pavlicheff. Before Mr. Burdovsky made this claim, I proposed to found a school with this money, in memory of my benefactor but I shall honour his memory quite as well by giving the ten thousand roubles to Mr. Burdovsky, because, though he was not Pavlicheff's son, he was treated almost as though he were. That is what gave a rogue the opportunity of deceiving him. He really did think himself Pavlicheff's son. Listen, gentlemen, this matter must be settled. Keep calm. Do not get angry, and sit down. Gavrila Ardalionovitch will explain everything to you at once, and I confess that I am very anxious to hear all the details myself. He says that he has even been to Pskov to see your mother, Mr. Burdovsky. She is not dead, as the article which was just read to us makes out. Sit down, gentlemen, sit down. 
the prince sat down and at length prevailed upon burdovsky's company to do likewise during the last ten or twenty minutes exasperated by continual interruptions he had raised his voice and spoken with great vehemence now no doubt he bitterly regretted several words and expressions which had escaped him in his excitement if he had not been driven beyond the limits of endurance he would not have ventured to express certain conjectures so openly he had no sooner sat down than his heart was torn by sharp remorse besides insulting burdovsky with the supposition made in the presence of witnesses that he was suffering from the complaint for which he had himself been treated in switzerland he reproached himself with the grossest indelicacy in having offered him the ten thousand roubles before everyone i ought to have waited till to-morrow and offered him the money when we were alone thought muishkin now it is too late the mischief is done yes i am an idiot an absolute idiot he said to himself overcome with shame and regret till then gavrila ardalionovitch had sat apart in silence when the prince called upon him he came and stood by his side and in a calm clear voice began to render an account of the mission confided to him all conversation ceased instantly everyone especially the burdovsky party listened with the utmost curiosity end of part 2 chapter 8 recording by martin geeson in hazelmere surrey